We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. And thanks for everyone who purchased it. I really appreciate it. Now, on to my guest for today, Eric Twiggs, a speaker, coach, and author of the book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Say that 10 times fast. Eric first realized he needed to find his purpose and stop wasting time after a college friend died in a car accident. After becoming successful in his career, he had another epiphany. He wanted to make a difference in people's lives. So he became a speaker and author, inspiring people to make change in their own lives. In April, he and his partners started the What Now Movement, a platform on Facebook to empower people to pivot in response to the pandemic. When it comes to procrastination, Eric offers a three-part framework in his book, The Discipline of Now. What's the cost, what's the cause, and what's the cure? Eric also shared many insights into what it takes to be a successful speaker, from being prepared and showing up early to get to know the people before the talk, to never ending on a Q&A session. Cultivating a positive mindset by reframing thoughts, counting wins, and learning from failures are three principles Eric espouses and lives by. Now, let's get better together. Eric Twiggs, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Wow, an honor. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, haven't, haven't, no one's ever told me that, but I really appreciate that because uh, I try really hard to, to make it somewhat entertaining and educational, right? Um, and I really do appreciate you coming on. We met through uh, matchmaker.fm. Mm-hmm. which I've been telling everyone has been a great source of guests for me. I'm actually continually impressed by the quality of people. Uh, and so kudos to them yet again. Uh, and what's great about what you're doing is that um, you help people with procrastination or 
more importantly, how not to procrastinate, uh, which we will talk about uh, in a second, as well as some of the other things that you're working on, which I think is actually really cool and honestly sorely needed right now because we're still during this pandemic thing, <laughs> whenever that'll be be over. But uh, but before we get into all that, as I like to say, why don't you tell me how you got to do what you're doing today? So really, it, it all started for me in college. It was my senior year at Hampton University. And I talk about this in the book. So I'm having this conversation with my good friend, Donnell. Now, I have to admit, that in those days, Donnell and I, we were a little different, right? So, so he was about his purpose and I was about the party. So, <laughs> so he, was, and he was always you know, giving me a hard time. Like, man, you know, you really need to get serious. You need to figure out what it is you want to do. And I'm like, man, Donnell, loosen up. We have plenty of time for that serious stuff. Are you coming to the party with me or not? So we have this conversation. And so time goes by. I don't see him for a while, but then I get a call from his mother informing me of the fact that he was killed in a car accident. Wow. Wow. That really sent me a message. It said that maybe I don't have as much time as I think to do the things that I want to do. And, And that's, that really was the experience that started me on this journey where I'm focusing on time management and overcoming procrastination. And because I really, that sent me a message that I need to move forward and, and not procrastinate. That, that's really where it all started. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my, my, I talk about her a lot, but my, my wife, Jane passed away uh, three and a half years ago from leukemia. Sorry to hear that. And yeah. Thank you. She, she was 36 and clearly didn't think that she was going to go that soon. So, so like your friend, um, and what that taught me was, boy, every day is precious. Like, what are you going to use your, your day that you've just got today? The gift that you got this day, what are you, how are you going to use it? Um, and so the whole, you know, idea, what you're talking about, about procrastination in the book, uh, the discipline of now, which we'll talk about really resonated with me because beforehand I would always be like, Oh, you know, in the future and this and that. And, and, and I, I wasn't a procrastinator per se, but I always would kind of mortgage the future for the present. Mm. Maybe not as much as you about where's the party. Although as a younger man, I did a lot of that too. <laughs> um, but, 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 but how, so how did it, how did his death, other than, of course, not procrastinate, how did it sort of launch you off on this journey? Because it's, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting journey that you've been on. Yeah. So right after that, you know, I, I got into the work world and, and my thought was that, yeah, time is short. So I need to advance. I need to make as much money as possible. I need to climb the corporate ladder. Time is of the essence. And so I got to a point where it seemed like I had achieved those things, right? I, I was a district manager. I had, for this was like an automotive service company and I had 17 locations, I had 500 employees working for me. We were winning these awards. I had, I was number one in profit improvement in the whole country. Everything's going great. I had the nice BMW. I'm, I'm driving down the road and I remember this clear as day. I, I'm literally, I stop at a light, I'm looking in the rearview mirror and the eyes that I saw that were looking back at me were the eyes of someone who hated what he was doing. So I had reached this point where I felt like I was successful, but I wasn't significant. And and then that really focused me on, okay, well, what is it that I really want to do? And, And I had to ask myself that question. And so then I started thinking about, you know, when did I really feel like I was being significant or, or contributing? And it was every time I was always talking to a group of people. And if I was doing a presentation, I used to be a corporate trainer. I, that's when I, I would always feel like, man, you know, I could just do this all day, every day. 
And yeah, then eventually that's how I started speaking about procrastination and time management. That's where the book came from. So, so that's really how that side of my piece of my story evolved. Yeah. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs sort of have this problem. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, so what do I really do? Right. And, and, and I know when I first started the journey of being an entrepreneur, I started out in like, I, I went to a startup out to college and then went to a big company and I was had this him and and Han and I was, ch- I was actually chasing the fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to be rich. Like, I wouldn't want to be rich. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, you know, you kind of look yourself in the mirror and you're like, is this really what I want to do? You know, and it was in some ways miserable until I kind of realized that, you know, and I didn't, I didn't realize this fully until after Jane died, but it was always sort of percolating in my head that, you know, you really should have some purpose in life. That's not selfish. Um, it sounds like you've sort of found it with helping, helping people with this actually real challenging thing, because I think a lot of procrastination is in, and I'd love your thoughts on this is just the delay of the hard work that has to be done. Is that been your experience? Yeah. It's really putting off the thing that needs to be done that, that, you know, you should really be doing. And yeah, but that, that's fundamentally, that's what it is. So and what, what's interesting is that I, I would have thought it was just, you know, the person's lazy, but, but it, it's a little more complicated than that. So it could be something as simple as task aversion. You just, it's not a desirable task. You don't like doing it. Or it could be some other things like fear, perfectionism, and, and some other real things I, I get into in the book that need to be overcome. Yeah, I mean, for me, some of the procrastination is just sort of the, there's kind of two things, right? Some of it's the fear of success mm-hmm. as in, oh, if this actually goes somewhere and then what do I do? Which I, you know, people think, oh, well, how could you have a fear of success? Well, actually, if you are someone that's like, wants to do a good job, then trying to follow up with the next thing is actually gives you a lot of stress. <laughs> it's like, oh, gee, that's a real thing. That's yeah. very common. And so for me, for what I see in that, it's people, if you have a fear of success, it's like, okay, well, am I going to be able to measure up to the new standard? That's that's kind of the fundamental thing. Like, so in the speaking world, okay, if I go, I, I talk to this company and it goes great. Well, what if they want me to come back? And what if I only have one good speech? So, but yeah, no, it's a real thing. And so what I teach people on overcoming the fear of success, it's a formula. It's be, do, have, right? Mm. So if I can become more, I can do more. Then mm. if I can do more, I can ultimately have more. So the really the key is just always focusing on becoming more so that when these opportunities present themselves, you're ready. Oh, that's so true. I think, I think this whole concept of like building up your skills and having the skills when the opportunity lends itself to use them. Yes. That's what I found has been actually pretty powerful in the quote unquote success, right? Because I think a lot of it can be random. I mean, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you know, you're, you're at like, you're, you're at some event, you've meeting people and you're sort of like talking about stuff and it never really goes anywhere. Um, But you know, you'll be like, Hey, I'm a speaker. I can talk about this, you know, whatever you need, like whatever. And, and, you may or may have even forgot about it. And then a month later, they're like, Hey, someone dropped out. Can you, can you come by and give a little quick talk? You're like, sure. Yeah, I'm in. And you're like, Oh, panic. <laughs> no, I can't actually do it. Right. I mean, it's cause that's the, uh, that's the interesting thing about it. Right. It's the opportunity is there, but you have to have the training, take advantage of it. And, and, and so has that, has that been sort of, is that, is that, so when it comes to like in the discipline of now in your book, is that part of it or is it, is it literally just about how to stop procrastinating? Well, you know, I, I do touch on that as far as, you know, being in that place where you, where you stay, because I, I always tell people, you just never know. Right. It's like, 100%. I, I, 
it, like I, I've done like book signing events where it seemed like literally it was a waste. And like my, my wife gives me a hard time. Like, Eric, why do you always stay at these things to the very end? What are you doing? Eric, just come home. And, and so I always say you just never know because I've been at events where it's, it literally seemed like it was a waste of my time. And like one person will come by and say, oh, hey, yeah, let me get your business card. Okay. And that person calls me and that leads to a whole series of speaking engagements. And, and it's like, if I had left, I would have missed out on that opportunity. And, and here's the other thing. Let's say I wasn't prepared. Yeah, I would have gotten one speaking engagement and that would have been it. So you just, I'm just always in this mind frame that you really never know. You always have to be preparing. You always have to be focused on getting better. Yeah, no, I have a similar story where I was at a startup event. We had a little booth um, and we were showing our product, right? And you could win an opportunity to pitch on the big stage, like, Mm -hmm. right? And so they were coming around and, and each one, each judge or something got to pick whoever they got to. But I mean, I, I sort of knew that this was happening, but I was just there to like, oh, we need to pitch our product. And it's like pretty stressful. You know, I, I, you know like you're talking to all these people, you got to be on. And again, it's this practice because we, you know, I, I actually have to practice talking to people. <laughs> it sounds a little weird, but I have to. Yeah. Um, but then they picked me to go on the stage and then I gave a pitch and I won. And just, just because it showed up now, does it happen all the time? No, but I like the way you put it because sometimes you just never know yeah. when that opportunity will come. And I, uh, I think, I think that's the thing that uh, a lot of people don't get when they look at these people that are like, Oh, you're uh, you know um, you're, you're an overnight success. No, a lot of hard work <laughs> and a lot of, uh, other things so say the typical <coughs> success is about 10 years literally i mean if you see somebody that seems like they're just having breakout things happening they've been at it for like 10 years to make that happen and again it goes back to that preparation and just just being ready yeah so how, how do you how do you prepare for opportunities like that. I mean, of course, if you're going to give a talk because you, you're, you're, you're a speaker and you, you've, you've done a lot of speaking, of course, you got to prepare for that. But how do you prepare for those conversations, you know, that your wife doesn't want you to have and then stay till the end? <laughs> which, which, by the way, my, my late wife, Jane, would say the same thing to me. So <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Again, now, my wife is probably going to hear this. So I, let, let me clear this up. I mean, she's very supportive <laughs> of what I do. <laughs> Matter of fact, she's in the other room. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, but you know, she doesn't really understand why, you know, because a lot, a lot of other people, they'll leave, the, they'll leave a similar event early, not really getting that. But as far as things that I do to prepare, like I'm always reading. Like I, I literally, I mean, most months, four books, five books, I'm always reading books and always, you know, some on time management, but some are also on, you know, different topics. Uh, and, and you just never know when that, when it, when there's something I've read one day comes back up uh, when I'm, when I'm preparing a presentation, you know, I'm all, and then not only that, but I'm always, I'm watching other speakers and, and looking at certain things. So I'm like, I'm always in this, this mode of, of trying to get better and, and that that's really that's primarily what i do so i'm always just trying to evolve and um and if i have a setback i'm always tracking okay what did i learn from this so, so that I'm, I'm moving forward yeah it, it, it can be in the speaking game it can be a little scary when you first start out was it scary for you when you first started out yeah, it was. I mean, for me, my experience with Toastmasters International really helped. Oh, okay, cool. I started out, I was in Toastmasters, and I did, um, like, I competed in these speech contests, and that was scary. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I remember, I mean, looking back now, like, I would, I'd be terrified <laughs> before, uh, before I would go out, but that helped me because I got used to 
kind of that feeling because it's a similar feeling like when I would go out and, and talk in front of a uh, company. But now, so so what, what I've learned is to really monitor how I talk to myself. So instead of saying I'm nervous or I'm anxious, I'll say you know I'm excited. Uh, yeah, because it's similar. It's just a different thing. Just that that little tweak can change how you feel about it. And and, and the other thing for me is it focuses me like I leverage that feeling because I know I need to really do everything I can to make sure I prepare. Right. So I need to make sure I know the material. I need to make sure that I like, if, especially if it's a talk I haven't given in a long time, making sure I'm going back through it. So I leverage it to make sure that because I always say, you know, the, the more I'm prepared, the less I have to fear. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship and doing pitches, that's actually really sound advice. I don't think entrepreneurs practice their pitch enough. No. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because it's a scary, it's scary thing to talk in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be very stressful, but you're, the more you do it, the better you get like any skill. Absolutely. And so do you find that there are, are there certain tricks? I mean, that one about reframing it as I'm not nervous, I'm excited. I think that's a great one because as you sort of reframe what the feeling is, Mm -hmm. people naturally gravitate towards that. I know, I know one of the things that I do before I speak um, is I, I, I do like to like be alone for like a couple of seconds to just sort of settle my mind and, and say, okay, take a deep breath. Here you go. You know, it's like no turning back. (laughs) Whatever happens, happens. Um, But I like the whole thing of being excited. Is there any other ones that that you would recommend? So a couple of things I do. So if I'm going to a venue, if if I have a speaking engagement, I like to get there like before everybody and deliver like my opening line or parts of my opening story right there. So it's like, for me, it's a psychological thing so that, you know, this isn't the first time I've given this presentation. So that, that can help you not to feel as nervous. Um, The other thing is I I like talking and interacting with people beforehand because that helps to break the ice. And so it's not the first time I've talked to them. So I'll just start talking to them. and, And the funny thing is I'll use the things that we talk about in my talk just to kind of make, hey, you know what? I, I was just talking to Bob and Bob says, that, da, 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 da. Uh, and now Bob is more engaged and he feels good because I'm mentioning him. And so it, it goes in. And it also helps if Bob is somebody that's well-respected by everybody in the group. So now everybody's like, oh, cool. He knows Bob. Oh, great. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> that's actually a really good, tr- uh, I won't call it a trick. I'm going to call it a technique. Uh-huh. Um, because that is so powerful to connect with the audience. And that is, I think the thing that gets lost when you pitch. I mean, if you're going to pitch a VC, you know, as an entrepreneur, it, it, it's, you sometimes can't have that, but the little, the little banter beforehand, the sort of like, you know, light intro, you know, if you know a little bit about them, there, there was, um, Hugh, was it Hugh Howes? I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he's a famous, he's a podcaster and a speaker. And he tells a story about interviewing, I think it was either Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. No, was, I think it was Kobe Bryant. And he's like, wow, I only got like 20 minutes with this guy. What am I going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. And he had done some research and he had found out um, that he, he had, he, he really, I, th- I think it was Kobe Bryant, that Kobe Bryant really um, went, when, when they were during the Olympics, he would go and like shake hands with the, with the competitors or the Olympians and like really be engaging. Right. Cause I mean, he's Kobe Bryant, my gosh. And, and Hugh, Hugh found that story out in the second he meets him says the story, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I think he plays handball or whatever. Um, and immediately it's like, this went from an interview that you've got 20 minutes to, okay, what do you want to talk about? because of that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can be hard to do. Uh, but I, I do like that kind of like 
you know, don't nefariously go find the Bobs of the world. <laughs> like, yeah, I know Bob. I'm cool. But um, I think that's that's a <laughs> that's a great way to go. But no, um, so and so like let's say if I'm going to talk to an organization, I do some research. So I, I'll talk to the meeting planner and I'll find out, you know, who are the people that I should be talking to that and, and so a lot of times I'll kind of go into it knowing who the Bobs are. And, or I, you know, something I may have talked to him before the event, or I'll seek him out when I'm there. But all of that helps to to break the ice and not just be some type of canned presentation that you're delivering. And the other, so the biggest thing, if I were to advise somebody, like what helps for me is I, I know I'm telling my story. Yeah. So it's not like I have to think about what to say because it's my story. It happened to me. So, uh, you know, it. I think if you're telling a lot of your stories that got you to this point that relate to the audience, you know, the chances are you, you're not going to be as nervous, but I'll tell you, it is common. I remember, I'll never forget this. I was, I was on a program with a pastor mm. and now she, keep in mind, I mean, she, every Sunday she's mm. delivering messages and she mm-hmm. speaks at different churches and she's like, you know, I'm really nervous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would have never guessed. And this is somebody that was very well known that does this all the time. And I, I told her, I'm like, no, you know, it's it's about being excited. You know, we we respect the moment. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. But but that says that if you so if you do feel nervous, don't feel bad. You're not by yourself. Just leverage it the right way. Yeah, I mean, I I have no similar people that are quote unquote famous that have the same problem. And it's not that they're nervous because they know they've got to deliver and that nervousness focuses their mind. So the nervousness and the excitement, the balance of that, I think is once you get that right, then that's, that's the fuel, right? That's the fuel that's going to help you present a great talk or even in networking. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand the the networking aspect of it as well. Like what you mentioned about getting to the venue early, talking to people and actually listening, listening more than talking is what I found where you can get those really cool stories where you can say like, yeah, you know, Bob, when you were fishing the other day, you're like, well, how did you know know Bob? I love, I love the Bob analogy um, because it's literally, yeah, been, been, been in that road before. Um, so yeah, I mean, is, is, so, so the discipline of now, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And I mean, I I think I understand the premise. I haven't had to got to read it yet, so it's on my list, but can you explain a little bit more about, you know, how it's structured and sort of what, what, what it, what it offers to people? Yeah. So the main thing it does, uh, it, it helps you to heighten your awareness as far as the things that trigger you to procrastinate. And awareness is really key. And it's, it's divided into three sections. So you have, first, I talk about the cost of procrastination. I talk about the causes, the common causes that I see. And then I talk about the ultimate cure. So the cost of procrastination is, you know, like, like I, I consider procrastination to be a silent killer because you don't realize that it's affecting you, right? Like, so the, the problem with procrastination is that a lot of times when you're doing it, there's no immediate negative consequence that you see, right? So let's say you're supposed to be working on your presentation, but you're not, you're, you're on Facebook. It's not like the procrastination police come bust in your house and arrest you, right? There's no, there's no alarms that go off or anything like that. So you're thinking, okay, hey, no worries. I got away with it. And then let's say you do the presentation and it goes great. And everybody's telling you, oh, wow, Eric, you did a great job. And now you're telling yourself, well, I work better under pressure. But the problem (laughs) is. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem (laughs) is that it won't be as good, you know, because you didn't take the time to prepare and let your ideas develop. So you think you got to, but there's a cost uh, to procrastination that we're not aware of. Yeah, no, no, agreed. And I like the whole uh, cost, cause, and cure. I, I always like it when people use three and it begins with the same letter because I think that's like, it's a rhythmic thing. Um, even when the, in the talks I do, and, and I love your thoughts on this, I always try to do sort of this three-act structure 
where it's like a rhythm, a do 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 do, like always in threes. Um, and and I don't know if that's just because inherently we like three, or if there's some other psychological thing, but it just seems like a natural thing. Do you have like techniques for speaking that sort of follow these sort of general rules? And 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 I think you know. And then how does that? Well, I guess what I'm going getting at is that. It seems to me that speaking is a pretty good metaphor for being, well, not procrastinating in, in life because it's really this immediate thing. Like you, 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 and if you don't prepare for it, it's disaster. Like in life, if you don't prepare for life, you won't get the opportunity. So um, is, is there any of those sort of tricks, techniques where, you always try to do certain things because I think what what I've found is that also helps me like think through life. I know that sounds a little weird, but you know, what do you think? Yeah. So I, I think like I use the rule of three all the time, just for, for whatever reason, people tend to remember things better when they're grouped in threes. And that's, that's why like, even if you look at like the, television networks, ABC, NBC, that's not by accident, you know, because people remember things three at a time better. And so even like if I'm telling a story, a lot of times, you know, there's three different things I'm talking about within the story that happened to the person. And so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something. Uh, But as far as like other little things I do, like if I'm doing an engagement, I I never want to end on like a Q&A session, right? I never, because the last thing I want people to remember, like the question and answer. So I usually, I'll end on, it could be an inspirational quote. It could be like a closing story because, and I just love stories, just again, because it's, it helps people to remember what you said. And I've done presentations and literally seen people like years later and they'll tell me a story. You know, hey, man, I, I remember you talking about your friend, Donnell. Hey, I remember you talking about this. But that's why, because I find people put themselves in the story a lot of times. They become that person that they're following along with you and they become the the hero in the story themselves. So, I mean, those are just some of the things I, I try to consistently do, but I also try to customize to the audience and the situation and all that. Yeah, so true on not ending on the Q and a, like I, I heard was someone, maybe it was, maybe it was my fiance Minerva. She, she would always say, okay, take questions and then always have a summary or something where you can end that people know when to clap. Right. <laughs> and I'm all people know when to, what does, what does that mean? It's like, well, look, if you end on questions, then no one knows when to clap. Then they're all like, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> And of course you want them to clap for you, right? You're like, well, yeah, of course I want them to clap for me. Um, And triggering that to, you know, oh, this is where we clap uh, is a a powerful thing. And I think, I think, uh, I think that has been a pretty, pretty good, pretty good kind of rule of thumb, the rule of threes, like not ending on a question. Um, And I think that a lot of the, the, and again, I would love your opinion on this. A lot of the anxiety of all of this is I think in your head, how you think the audience is going to react. Right. So is, is there any sort of advice or thoughts on how to remove that? Oh, they all think I'm going to be, you know, I don't sound smart or whatever. No, it's about the message. You have to almost look at it like you're, you're the mailman. Hey, I'm, I'm just going to be- <laughs> No. I just delivered the message. I'm just, hey, this is the package. <laughs> what you do with it, hey, you know, I'm just here to present this to you. Um, so what, like one of the things that, that I learned from the whole contest thing I was doing with Toastmasters, I would compete in these speech contests and I'm like your ultimate type A personality. I want to win. I, but my, I have like speaking mentors that, that have actually won like the international Toastmasters contest. And so one of these, uh, my, one of my mentors, his name is Ed Tate. And he, he was my coach and he would always tell me, Eric, don't focus on winning the contest. Focus on 
delivering the message in a way that they can best receive it. And then mm. make sure it's clear, the message is clear. What's mm. going to happen is going to happen, but the, wow. your focus is really delivering the message to them. And then if you get a trophy, you get a trophy. If you don't, you don't. I wasn't hearing that. I'm like, no, I want to get a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, that applies. And, and I find, and that's another little thing that can help you feel that we, when you know that I, I'm just delivering a message. You know, my goal is to deliver. My goal is to inspire you to move forward. So I, I, there's no reason for me to be nervous. I'm just giving you the message, you know, and then, I, you that's, know, I, I, that, that's really what helps me. I really like that because a lot of people, again, entrepreneurs pitching to a VC and, and we're, we're talking, I know we're talking about a lot about public speaking because you're an expert and I very rarely get to talk to experts in public speaking other than I talked to another one this guy, Brendan as well, but it's just like, you guys are too different, but same. It was just so, it's so fascinating because this is such a hard thing for people to understand. Like life is about pitching. Yes. Pitching is about talking in front of a group of people. And what you said about getting your message across, mm-hmm. I am just delivering the message that's where don't shoot the messenger comes from. <laughs> it's right. like, right. It's, I mean, such, that's such a great attitude to have. And, and I had to learn this the hard way because I would take it personal when someone would reject my idea or not give me money. But when, when you reframe it, it's just like, well, Hey, I'm just putting it out there and it's up to you to take it. It's nothing on you or on me. It's just, I'm just the messenger. I'm the, I'm the vessel for the message. Right. Exactly. Which is a really cool way to think about it, and the same it's the same thing if you're you, let's say you're in a net business networking event and you're talking to somebody about something you it's, I think it's a similar concept, and especially if you're focused on their needs and them mm-hmm. and talking about them, not really mm-hmm. talking about yourself and listening I, I think this the it's a similar principle, yeah, I think the art of listening we need to teach more people because it's an undervalued skill. It is. It is. I agree. Um, it's a really is an undervalued skill. It's uh, maybe that'll be your next book. The discipline of listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so changing it up a little bit. Um, I know you're involved with this uh, what now movement, which yeah. I would love to hear more about because um, sounds really interesting. So the What Now Movement, I'm the president of the What Now Movement. It was started by myself and my two business partners and co-founders, Dr. Sharon H. Porter and Ted Fells. And so it started because it was right around the beginning of the pandemic. Hmm. And we were actually, before the pandemic, we were talking about teaming up and doing like an event. We were going to do this event. We were going to get into this you know, hotel room and get all these people in the room and have speakers, your typical event. But with the pandemic, everything got shut down. So we couldn't do this. It was like, okay, what now? And then we just, each of us in our respective walks had people coming up to us like, hey, you know, I've I've got my restaurant and my restaurant shut down. I can only do carry out. What now? Hey, you know what? I'm a speaker. I can't do an event with a thousand people in the room anymore. That's how I make my money. I'm a comedian. You know, I, I can't yeah. do that. So, so, so what now? And, and that's where we started thinking we should call this the what now movement. And the whole purpose of the what now movement is to equip people to, to be able to pivot and to be, and to be more resourceful and to really just have a mindset that, okay, what now? Okay. So yes, I've, I've run into this challenge, but what am I going to do now? And it's all about being resourceful. So it's a, a free Facebook group. Right now, we've got over 1,400 people from literally around the world in wow. this. And it's literally, it's just, it's growing. It's almost like a virus itself. I mean, <laughs> but a virus in a good way. A good virus, yeah. yeah a good one, yeah. Not like the other one. It's a good one right. where you know, people are joining from around the world, all walks of life. Uh, and so every day, we've got some, some content. So someone at 12 noon Eastern They'll do a live video. Monday's Motivational Monday. Tuesday's Time Management Tuesday. 
Wednesday's Wellness Wednesday. Thursday is Thankful Thursday. Then Friday is Fitness Friday. So somebody get on for 15 to 20 minutes and do a live presentation. These are people that are subject matter experts, authors, speakers in their own right. But it's that 15 to 20 minutes just to kind of keep you your mindset in the right place. And we do summits like quarterly. So it's a great thing. I, I would definitely encourage people to, to join it. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really great community to sort of try to figure out, you know, in this time of unprecedented disruption, uh, how to like come together and help each other. I, I just really love the fact that there's a lot of people doing stuff like this and that obviously you're doing it. You sort of found this tribe of people to help out. Um, what, what has been some of the major things or themes? Um, I know you said, you know, each day is a different theme, but what, what are some of the things that people are posting about? What are they worried about? Um, well, just, you know, how are they going to, like, again, there's several comedians that, you know, and I think like the comedians have really been impacted because oh, they yeah. can, you know, go to the improv like they used to and do their thing. So several comedians will end up doing different virtual type of venues and the thing, so like we have people in the movement that do virtual event planning that can kind of give assistance as far as ways to put yourself out there in a virtual format. You get a lot of questions about, okay, how do I make sure my lighting's right? You know, how do I, you know, we have people that are afraid of the technology of starting a podcast. So more people are launching podcasts now to get themselves out there. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of podcast hosts that are within the movement that, they're, they're helping other people start their podcast and no, it's, it's been powerful. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I started this podcast at the start of the pandemic, so <laughs> meet, you know, good on people for getting out there and trying to, to create some art. Cause I think, I think when we pull together, um, it's a very powerful thing. And, and I like the fact that it's, you know, all different walks of life, all different types of people, you know, nowadays things seem a little divisive and you know i mean we're in election season and in during the election here in the u.s and i just i always have hope when i see groups of people instead of being like you know fighting each other over stuff help each other try to be better do better you know i, I love the what now i mean i can imagine how many times you've like oh blah 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 uh, what what do I do now? <laughs> and you're like, well, I've got a group for you. <laughs> and so, the, the, how, how long has the movement been going on now? You said it started the pandemic, or we started like around April. It was around the April, April time frame when we we launched the movement. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really important that if you know if if people do need you know help or want to. Um, you know, be around people that are positive, that are trying to make a difference. And, you know, we all eventually, well, eventually is the wrong word. Occasionally we all need a little encouragement, especially during dark times. Um, so, so what are, what are some of the things that you use to kind of keep yourself going during, during these, during these challenging times? So I, I'm real big on like focusing on your wins Right. And so I have people start like a, with what's called a win log where you literally have to write down your wins. And, and it's funny, like, so people I, that I coach, I, they know, you know, I'll start off the conversation. OK, tell me about your wins. And if if it's new to you, you're like, what? Huh? I, I didn't have any wins. No. I, I, and I'm like, OK, so a whole week has gone by and nothing good has happened to you. Man, that, that's terrible. Yeah, that is. But, but what happens is if, if you, and I talk about this in the book, right? If you, if you just sit back and listen to your mental chatter, you will find that 80% of it is negative. Mm. 80% of just the random thoughts you have, and especially now, I think now it may be up to, with the current climate. It be <laughs> <than that. laughs> Definitely fighting that for sure. Yeah. Right. And, and so you, you really have to, the, the best way to, break a bad habit and the bad habit would be the negative thoughts is to replace it with a better one. Focusing on the wins, focusing on what you have to be grateful for. So, so that's really what I do. I, I'm just being intentional about 
the, the positive things and really tracking my wins like I, I teach people to do. And I'm telling you, this, this, just that is so powerful. I have people that literally, they thought the wins thing was corny. But now if I don't ask them, they will stop me in mid-sentence and say, wait a minute. Nope. I've been waiting all week to tell you about this. Here are my wins. I love it. I love it. My, uh, my fiance, Minerva, we would do this thing. We haven't done it lately, but it's uh, name, you know, name three things you're thankful for every night. Um, we do it with, with her stepdaughter, or my future stepdaughter. So, um, but it's funny because, you know, during tough times, it's, it, you're totally right. It's hard to not focus on the negative, right. especially when you feel like the whole world is crumbling around you. So um, when things got particularly negative, she'd be like, okay, you need to list 10 things hmm. that you're thankful for. Yeah. And they can't be duplicates. And you're like, oh, how could I think of 10 things in a day? And it turns out that, you know, once you get good at it, like what you're talking about, um, <clears throat> you start to find them during the day yes. because like, like your clients, it's like, well, I got to, you know, Eric's going to ask, <laughs> I need to write these things down. And so it's actually, I like that because um, I think that's the same thing with speaking, preparing for a speech, um, all the things that could go wrong, of course, but then there's the positive things that could happen. Like when you get up, and talk to someone or talk to a group of people and you move them or at the end, someone gives you your car, their car, you put yourself out there. It just sort of ripples, you know, it, it, it's, it's just really, I don't think people spend enough time on, on that, that whole positive, not to the, of course, like there's going to be problems in the world. Don't get me wrong. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, but you know, like you can't, you, you know, you as a human or we as humans naturally tend towards the negative. It's like in our DNA because we need to survive. So, um, so, so you've got the wins every week. Uh, is there anything else that, that, that's sort of uh, in the toolkit? Wait, and we're talking about just as far as staying positive. I mean, yeah. Staying positive or how it so relates to here's the other thing. So, I, anytime I do experience a setback, uh, I'm, I'm in the habit of doing a lessons learned list, right? So I really want to focus on, okay, what did I learn from this? So if something like, for example, so my, like, like my book, um, it was in this, uh, I made it to be a global finalist in this uh, contest. It's called the Author Elite Awards. And they announced the winner for each category. So I'm in the top 10 and I'm telling everybody, Hey, my book is in the top 10. Yes. And so they announced the winner and it was someone not named Eric Twiggs. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Oh, bummer. <laughs> but you know what? I, I really, I went back, I started writing down things I learned and I mean, I interacted with, it was like a virtual event where you could go from table to table. And just, it was talking to some of the other authors, some of the stories I picked up. And I just noticed some commonalities as far as the, the people that won. And so it, it was it was valuable. So that's another way for me. I'm just in the habit of really, and I, and I started, that started for me at Toastmasters when if I, I lost a round of the contest, I started focusing, okay, what did I learn? Okay, I'm better at telling stories. I'm better at adding humor into the presentation. So, so that would be the key is to really think about what did you learn from each of the, even if it's, a, if it's a bad experience, what did you learn that's going to be positive? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. That's more of a process mindset as opposed to kind of a goal mindset. Although, you know, since you're type A, you want to win, of course, of course. but, uh, but no one. hard, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the effort, man. Like, just like be free. Like it's the journey. It's like, no, I want to win. I want to win. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's just hard. I, I'm still struggling with that one, but no, it, it is true though. You really do need to focus on the process and do need to focus on how people are receiving your message and not be, because you don't want to be transact. You don't want to come across as transactional. And, and that comes across. If you're up there and you're trying to be transactional, that you're just, you're up there because you want people to buy your book. That comes across. Oh yeah. 
people can see right through that. Like it, it it's uncanny. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, since I'm an author too, of course I want everyone to buy my book. Right. And you know, who wouldn't, but boy, when you're just sort of naturally you and excited about what you're talking about and that shows through. And I think for me, I just think of it as like, I want to help people. So again, I'm the vessel. I'm the, this is the message, take it or leave it. When you get to that point, which is hard to do, as you know, because it's so personal sometimes it's just free. <laughs> I can't say it any other way, you know, it's yeah. free, you know, Absolutely. and I think when you're free is when you, you are your most excited and engaged. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it takes, I mean, if you, if you talk about speaking, it, it it just takes time. I think it's kind of back to the process thing. The people yeah. that you see and they look like, 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 like I watch Les Brown mm-hmm. and he can talk to a thousand people like you and I are talking right now. Yeah. And he looks so natural. So, but that takes years and years and years. I mean, my mentor is the same way. I, mean, I used to be like, man, he just looks like, like if you saw him doing it, you would think that's the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. But it's not. Um, but it, but it, you just have to, again, as it goes back to the process. Well, Eric, I, I've, I've really appreciated your time. I mean, this was great to get to know you and talk about what you're doing, you know, the discipline of now, the what now movement. I mean, thanks again for being on the show. This has been really cool. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I mean, this is, I really have enjoyed this time. Great. Stay safe and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.